You're the best around. Bang. on hello miffy hello zanro welcome back thank you thank hey. you for putting up with my um bang on uh, via skype last week when i was on my sick bed i'm back baby right. i can't believe you worked through it this is great this is your commitment to the bang fam <laughs> well there's one thing that i won't set aside each week and you've been the same you've done bang on from airport lounges mm. from kiev in ukraine that's true from all over the world, and we always love to hang out with our Bang fam. And you know what? I actually did, you know, I pretty much rested otherwise. I was very bored. I'm so happy to be back at work and around other humans. But I used the time You're to good. actually... See, I can't, I, I'm quite happy to stay. I think I'd stay at home forever. <laughs> <laughs> I did get it form a very loving relationship with my couch. Oh, it's so good. But I did, I got a bit of time to catch up on some of the things that you've been banging on about. Oh. I finished off Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, which I banged on about last week. So still banging on about that. It was brilliant. But I watched all of The Bodyguard pretty much in one sitting. Told you. And enjoyed that very much. Didn't realise until about halfway through, it's Rob Stark from Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. You're wondering mm-hmm. why you're enjoying it so much. <laughs> I reckon also he looks like a perfect cross between Matt Day and Rami Malek. Oh, yeah, very good point. Both people that I find easy on the eyes. Yeah, it has um, the tension in that show, though. If you haven't seen it, it's not The Bodyguard. We're not talking about boom. And uh, not, yeah. not, none of that. It's got nothing to do with that. Although along similar lines, we spoke about it last week. I banged on about it last week. Great television series from the BBC. I was sitting on the edge of the couch, quite literally, mm. like for the first half of the first episode and then many other times throughout. It was yeah. brilliant. And, and I've started reading The Trauma Cleaner as well, which you banged on about quite a while ago. Oh, book I'm of, finally reading that. Book of Life, that book. Loving it. Everybody has to read that book. It's it's so extraordinary um, and it will change your perspective on so many things. Please. Thank you for taking it, taking notice of my banging ons. Well, it's okay. Take your word is the word of God oh. in a fun way. Oh. And I was, that was happy the, to finally have the sound of time. God. You know that noise? <laughs> oh. Hey, speaking of gods. <laughs> Pop on your platform, sneakers, wear some very inappropriate, sort of slightly vinyl-looking number and maybe a singlet with shoestring straps and a tiny backpack because the Spice Girls are back, babe. Four out of five ain't bad, Miffy. I know, it's missing one member. I'm not sure how to feel about this. Oh, you knew it was coming. You knew that Victoria Beckham, a.k.a. Posh Spice, was not going to get on board. Why not? What's wrong with her? Here's the thing. I It was finally confirmed. I can't even say announced because it's been rumoured for so long. But finally, the Spice Girls confirmed they're going to be going back out on the road, a Reformation tour. Victoria Beckham will not be joining them. But I wonder that because it's been rumoured for so long, if they were just – it's kind of like when you just keep on waiting for someone to turn up to the party and then you finally realise they're not going to, so you've got to make mm. other plans. I wonder if they've just been waiting, Holding trying to negotiate, saying, please, please just join us. And then finally like, all right, she's not going to do it. We may as well just announce. Keep the home fires burning. <laughs> Poor – I'm really unhappy about this manoeuvre. I'm not sure. I saw the photo and it just looked weird. It's funny posh. that you say you saw the photo because you know that musically she's it's not one of the stronger nah. voices of the group, so you're not really going to miss her singing. You know, it's more just they the visual display. The we all knew that, but she was great. But she, they, she doesn't need it. This is the thing. Like she's the one Spice Girl who's actually created a post Spice Girls career for herself. She's got a multi 
billion dollar industry in That's fashion. True. And she's respected. I think that she realized apart from having to take a lot of time out from her family and her business, it feels like a bit of a backward step to go kind of come out and be, you know, the butterfly that blooms from the Spice mm. Girls caterpillar. Not No shade on Spice Girls, but where she is now is in a very different spot and then to go back. So I think that, you know. Yeah, I think I think it's fine that she's doing this. Well, maybe she just hates them all. Can't doesn't want to be with them. <laughs> Could what be did that you say? Well. I didn't realize this, but I was looking into it. And first of all, two things I didn't realize: the Spice Girls were only really around for two years before they split up, really? which is pretty wild when you think about the legacy that has grown around mm-hmm. them. And they obviously made a huge impact. It was a very short time that they were together and making music. And I think that as recently as Halloween, Mel B was dressing up as Victoria Beckham and yes, she was going along I with someone this. basically who was dressed up saying, oh, no, I, I'm not going to, you know, reform the Spice Girls or something. Basically throwing a bit of shade against Totally. And didn't her, her friend slash partner dress up as David Beckham as well? Like yes. it was pretty clear. <laughs> so I think that there is a little bit of argy-bargy going on behind the scenes. For all of uh, Victoria Beckham's positive and supportive Instagram messages saying, oh, the girls are going to be great. It might be a bit of sniping in the background. She's still going to make heaps of money, though, through the m- music publishing setups that they've got. She is still apparently going to make around $3 million without ever stepping on a stage oh, from sweet. this tour. sweet. I'd do that. It's great lying on, on the couch. If you look at those photos that you see of Posh going around, and I'm not sure why. It's just her doing a leg up on, on couches everywhere in different positions. What is this? It doesn't positions. make sense. So good. Well, that just says I've got $3 million for doing <laughs> sweet F.A. I want to be Posh Spice. That is the sound of the theme music from the little little house on the prairie. Maybe I'm a little bit older than the New Zealand, but I loved this show as a kid. Or maybe we just had a really bad television channel that that's all <laughs> they played in the country. But I wanted to be Laura Ingalls Wilder or whatever her name was, wearing a a long frock like a pioneer woman. So wholesome, Miffy. I know, I know. I didn't really get into the further iterations of said show, like your Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. I wasn't here for that, no. But Little House on the Prairie, yes, please. Living on the uh, in the country of Middle America somewhere, no doubt. That was the Churning dream. your own butter. Churning my own butter. Um, yeah, uh, that was the dream. And it seems that I am not alone in this desire. There is a new movement and one that I was completely unaware of, but apparently it's a movement. It's called Pioneer Living. And that's where, and we have a, a poster girl, poster woman, I should say, of Pioneer Living, who they refer to as the Gwyneth Paltrow of America's oh growing homesteading movement. Her name is Shay Elliott, and you can check her out online. She's got a very busy Instagram with lots of oof, gorgeously wholesome photographs of her churned butter, her, her, her duck, her actual procured from actual ducks that she slaughtered herself, duck fat. Uh, she's got all sorts of pictures of her beautiful family and the rabbit hutch and the chicken coop and, and all their three gardens, all of that business. It's How does she generate the electricity to charge her phone? Oh, to mate, post she's got Instagram Wi-Fi. <laughs> still got Wi-Fi. Might not have running water, <laughs> but still got Wi-Fi. I am so salty about this. Are you? Look, I Come mean, on, as she poached eggs taken from her coop <laughs> and sizzled potatoes in fat rendered from ducks she'd slaughtered last fall, she recounted a trip recently to Los Angeles. She still seemed scarred by the experience. I couldn't bear it, she told me. 
Everything smelled like Lysol and Febreze. And I was just like, oh my gosh, the sound of the traffic. The privilege is unbearable, Miff, and I will not have any more of this. This is just, you sent me this article, which we will put in the show notes. It is on The Atlantic, which is a wonderful online and paper publication, and they often have really great long reads. And the way that this is written, I mean, the writer knows what they're doing. They're waiting to get some traffic, to get some people to, yeah, absolutely tearing this to shreds. But when I read that line in particular, it spoke immediately to a privilege where I've seen in other places, which is basically she can choose where and how she lives. That's not a choice that everyone has. So a lot of people have to live in the city, have to live in certain parts of the city where it's louder and dirtier and stinkier because that's where they can afford to and they need to live near the city because that's where the jobs are. She gets to choose where she wants to live. And it reminded me of that whole minimalist movement, which drives me nuts. And I think there's a couple of guys called The Minimalists. I started watching a show that they had on Netflix, which was put out in the last year, and I had to turn it off because I was yelling at the television. Because, again, it was just that whole idea of declutter and get rid of things. It's like what an incredibly privileged position to be in to say, I've acquired too many possessions and I have to get rid of them in order to be at a higher level of, of zen. It's just like what incredible privilege. And the worst thing about it is that you can't see your own privilege. So when I read this, I was like, oh, my God, you're driving me nuts. And, I mean, she – talks about in the article how they were initially living off just the salary of her teacher husband, which, you know, this is America where salaries are a lot lower. It's about $28,000. But now they're making sweet coin because she's got, you know, paywalls and is, you know, they're selling, uh, there's a whole other part of it where she's basically in a pyramid screen scheme selling essential oils, which is another packet of fish. Mm -hmm. But she acknowledges herself that to set up this homesteading life, you need at least 25000 American dollars to do it, and that doesn't even include the land. And that's a privileged choice to be how able to do this, that. How is this any different, though, to your entrepreneurs, your mumpreneurs, your anyone who does fitness, hashtag blessed, hashtag lifestyle living, hashtag namaste? How is this really any different? It's a little bit, you know, I'm glad you mentioned all those things because all of those and including these homesteaders work in the same realm in that they're all posting stuff on Instagram or on their blogs because they they pitch to us, which in our minds at our day jobs or unsatisfied in, our, in another part of our life, we're saying, I wish I could be there. I wish I could be in this place. And so it's aspirational. But the next kicker that I think that homesteaders do is, and maybe, you know, Fitzbo bloggers do the same, is that you actually feel judged about your own life just by looking at their life. There's an undercurrent where she's basically saying, I live a better life, a more wholesome life, a more pure life than you do. And there's a kind of aspirational moment, but there's also a judgment within what she's posting saying, my choices are better than your choices. Don't you think? Oh, no, I don't don't know how I'd live if I didn't feel the judgment of others. (laughs) (laughs) It's what keeps me going. It is. It's what keeps me on the straight and narrow. I'm like, shit, this is someone else does it this way. Then maybe there is a point there. I find the lifestyle a little bit strangely attractive. (laughs) I'm ready to homestead. I grew up a bit more like that as well. So to me, the appeal is... Oh yeah, that's right. It was a simple life, a simpler life because it was actually a bit simpler. And but, and, but you, I was also ten, and you don't have things like bills to pay and life to deal with. So I think quite often we 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 look back with rose-coloured glasses to our country growing up, and I certainly do. But I forget I was ten and I was a kid, and I didn't have the concerns of the real world. So it's probably just as difficult and complex for my parents who had to deal with life things that we deal with now that give us stress. 
Well, there's a line in it which kind of addresses that, which is that homesteading, romanticised by nearly every generation, save the one that originally endured it. So this idea that it was a great time, but obviously if you actually experienced it then and then there was an option, much like vaccinations mm. where things could get better, why wouldn't you take that option, mm. you know? So I, I don't know. go paleo. Let's all just go paleo on homestead. <laughs> Homestead and paleo. This is our all future. I've, all I've got in my head now, though, is you dressed up as little Laura Ingalls, your head in plaits, running over I've the wearing, fields. I've been rocking a plait of late. Maybe I am going through my, you, you my Rebecca Laura Ingalls wilder period. A homesteader in no time. Get me my covered wagon. This is your five-year plan. Covered wagon. I want a covered wagon. I've already. I'm. I'm about to get a horse, so we're getting pretty close to. <laughs> You're actually buying a horse. I'm, I'm moving to the country then. This is I'm saying this out loud. I'm saying it out loud right now. My plan in the next 12 months is oh to move to the country and go back to because I'm thinking I'm on a homestead. I'm not homesteading, P.S. Um, but I do want to move to the country and, and have a bit more of an original lifestyle again. Um, I have to come into work, obviously, but I'm going to see if I can make it work. That's the plan. Miffy. You heard it here first, Bang Fan. Miffy's moving to the country. She's yeah. heading to the sticks. If anyone's got a I don't know. House? <laughs> Caravan? Caravan? i got a couple of insane cats. Miff wants to go to the farm, but in a good way. A good close, way. To, close to my city. That'd be cool. Like an hour out, train line. Let me know. Convenient country for Miff Warhurst. <laughs> Realestate.com. Bang fam has turned into realestate.com. I love it. Now, Miffy, big shout out to our bang boy who drew our attention to this. Yes. Such a fun little game to have. Merriam Webster, uh, sorry, Merriam Webster. Merriam Webster, <laughs> so hard to say. Funnily enough, two words that are very hard to say. It's and the she name sounds of like your next door neighbour as well. <laughs> Merriam Webster. Have you checked on Merriam lately? <laughs> uh, have got a really wonderful online tool. It's basically like a time travel page where you can find the words that were first recorded in print the year that you were born. And, you know, this still happens like every year when the Oxford Dictionary puts out its new edition, they always, you know, you always have a bit of a chuckle. It's a nice little fun, light news story about what are the words that have entered into officially the common vernacular. So I had a little look. Did you have a look at your year? Yeah, you bet. You bet. My year, 1973. Old. What were the words that were big in 1973? Okay. This is, it was actually really interesting. It says so much about the time. Yeah. The one that stood out most, in the A's anyway, I've got a whole list. <laughs> Let's begin. Automated telemachine, 1973. ATM. Oh, my God. What yeah. a moment. And cop this one. I never thought this was even real until the 90s or at least early 2000s. Bikini wax. Oh, wow. Because, man, I got through all the 90s without having to have one of those. I hadn't even heard of it. But wax has been around for ages. Was it only being really commonly used or at least accepted publicly that it was being used in the early 70s? Mm, on the bikini line. I guess the bouche was quite a big thing in the 70s, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. The bouche. The bouche? Sorry, go on. Bouche the, wasn't in, in part of it, was it? The what, bikini, no. What's the bouche? Your bush. Oh, the bouche, the bush. <laughs> right, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. It's like, is that douche with like, like something else? <laughs> Any chance. You yeah. love douche more than I no, love I douche. No, I don't. I never use that word. It's rank. Shut up, shut up. Some other good ones, and this is either a porn reference or a reference to the Watergate affair, Deep Throat. Oh, yes. Detox first came into the dictionary in 1973. Food processor. We love that one. Global positioning system, GPS. Mm. And my favourite, hot tub. 
<laughs> all of these are so perfect for you. I know. And they've also got keyboardists. They must have called them all pianists by then. But then <laughs> keyboardists or keyboards were becoming such a thing with prog rock and music that they had to come up with a new term, keyboardist. That is wild. Go, early 70s. What's yours? Um, I was 78, bed and breakfast, first oh, made its way sweet. in, which I love. Very sweet. wholesome. Not so wholesome, um, but also a little bit pornographic. Both Bustier and Bodice Ripper. Oh, Bodice, Bodice Ripper. Ripper. <laughs> 1978. I was trying to think of maybe that was like a big time for where um, raunchy paperback novels. Romance novels, yeah. yeah. Bodice Ripper, that's Mills what they were called. Bodice Gorgeous. Ripper, absolutely. Dramedy. You know, oh, the drama, comedy, comedy. Yeah. yeah, that was first. I love this one, White Rock Bass. <laughs> what? I've never heard that before. What is it? Is I that, can only is, imagine. Is that a drug? It's like, no, I'm thinking White Rock Bass, like, you know, white musicians mining black music, oh. doing a bit of White Rock Bass. I was just thinking rock <laughs> crack, bass line, I don't know. It's kind of like a good personality test, isn't it? Just to throw words and see where your mind goes. <laughs> it is true. But White Rock Bass here, high, held high. Eye Candy is another one, which I'm quite uh, fond of mm. in 1978. And the final one that I'll share, which I think is fitting for me, Curly Endive. <laughs> First came around in 1978. Endive as in the... The vegetable. Vegetable. But a curly, curly endive. endive. Oh. Isn't that cute? You are my curly endive. Oh, Miffy. Love it. Well, I'm going to put this up in the show notes because it's a really fun game. You can find out what are the words are that were first recorded in print the year that you were born. I'll put it in the show notes. If you don't know what that theme tune is, you're not watching The Good Place, which is what I'm going to bang on about this week, Zanne. Oh, this is on, is it on Stan or Netflix? Netflix, yeah, I cool. think. And yeah, look, it doesn't take much explaining. Season three is up. Everyone was talking about it about two months ago or a month ago. I've <laughs> finally caught up, sort of. I'm halfway through and I'm loving it. It's a little bit push me, pull me with The Good Place, which is a whole bunch of people who have died and they go to what they think is heaven or hell. That's the basic premise of the show. Mm. And they find out they've actually gone to hell and they're trying to get into what is the good place, heaven, I guess. Um, and sometimes I find it's a little bit too squeaky clean and a little bit dorky and then I just love it. The references are so clever and their their pop cultural nous is so spot on. I, I I straddle on both sides of like loving it and hating it, but at the moment I'm loving it. So, um, yeah, I just recommend it. It's a bit of fun and it is not too taxing and it's just a lovely feel-good show, as you can hear by the opening theme. just feels good. It's got a little bit of the House of Prairie, ha- Little House of the Prairie about the opening theme title, oh God, doesn't it? This is exactly right. Da, 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 da. Has it got Ted Danson in it Yeah, still? Ted Danson is oh, in one him. of the lead roles and he's fabulous. And yeah, I love him. Great cast. It's terrible Australian accents in Series 3 if you I care heard about, about that stuff. And, um, <laughs> yeah, look, I don't mind. I don't mind. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. What are you banging I- on about, Zan? Uh, well, I did, as I said, do a lot of, you know, reading and watching while I've been sick over the last week. And I read pretty much in a day a book by Joan Didion, who we've spoken about before. She, of course, had that amazing documentary on her on Netflix last year. I think or was it this year? God, the year's gone fast. Anyway, this is a book that was just published in the last year called South and West. And Joan Didion is an amazing American writer who's been really, you know, the the cornerstone of her writing has really been about her love affair with California. And she's kind of understood her place in the world a lot through that space, through the state of California. So this book is interesting in that, first of all, it's more notebooks, so it's really stream of consciousness. It was never meant to be written as a book. And basically in 1970, her and her husband decided to go to the South 
for a month and drive around and see if there was a story in it. And partially it was because she had such a tie to the West Coast that she wanted to see what the South would bring up in her and see if there was a story going on in that kind of just post but also still going on civil rights action movement in that part of America. Mm -hmm. So for someone who has said herself that she writes to understand the world, she doesn't write with the idea of what she's going to say set out. She Through her writing she understands the world and her place in it and what's going on. Reading her notebooks is the most unfiltered and interesting way to read her because she is just sorting it out. But she's still such a beautiful writer that there's this incredible flow to it. And like I said, because it's a notebook, it's a bit disjointed, so it's best read during the day, not kind of like, you know, two pages and then you fall asleep. You want to sort of read it in a flow so you can get get a sense of it. But it's just such a great way to read, you know, what is one of my favourite writers and really get inside her process and just how she observes things and the things that she notes down and the things that she's noting in the moment and then you can imagine what she gathers to create a story after that. So South and West, it was just released in the last year. It's a really interesting companion to anything that you've read from Didion because it is so raw and unfiltered and it's just... You know, she's just such an amazing writer. I love her so much. Brilliant, brilliant. And I love that, as you said, she writes so well, she could write anything. A shopping list and it would sound good. Whereas you, <laughs> I'd read her I, shopping list. If you and I wrote our stuff down on my trip today, I went to the, <laughs> you know, it's a totally different and then, thing. Yeah, and then, and then, and then. <laughs> I'm looking forward to reading your it's memoir be great. from your homestead. And then, and then I moved to the country and I got a horse <laughs> called Flash Gordon. And then I... Uh, my cats liked it and they and it was very good and we had a very nice time (laughs) the end I am scared of spiders and I have to look after them myself this is the only drawback of living in the country the end I love it I'm so keen first Miffy's moving to the country will I see you next week though yeah you will all right see you then see ya Well, I'm going up the country, babe, don't you want to go? Double J.